Welcome to Pediatrics Now, cases, updates, and discussions for the busy practitioner. I'm your host, Holly Wayment. I work for UT Health San Antonio's Department of Pediatrics. In this podcast, we explore how we can provide the best, most cutting-edge, compassionate care for children. We hope to give you a unique and behind-the-scenes edge from our expert guests. After listening, click on the link on this podcast for free credit that may include CME, MOC, or ethics credit, depending on the topic or podcast. On this Valentine's Week today on Pediatrics Now, I'm talking with husband and wife team, pediatric CT surgeon Aaron Abarbanel and division chief of pediatric cardiology, Ginny Abarbanel, both work at UT Health and University Hospital. Thanks for being here today on Pediatrics Now. Thanks for having us. Thank you so, so much, Holly. Oh, thanks for being here. And tell me, how did the two of you meet? Well, I can start. Um, we met in college and at Cornell in upstate New York. Um, so we have been together for quite a while. And our journey didn't start out with both of us in medicine. Most of people think that we both met in medicine and our paths converged in medicine, but we have known each other before medicine and before I went to medical school. And uh, Aaron has an interesting career path along the way, and I'll let him share on that part of it. But um, bottom line is we met in college, and then we have been on an exciting journey together since then. So I'll let him kind of fill you in on um, his his non um, traditional approach to getting into medicine. Well, thanks. Certainly, as Ginny said, we met in undergrad, and I never thought in 1992 that we would be in medicine and even in the same field together. I was a military officer in the Navy. I was doing engineering and combat systems, and I never thought once about being medicine or being in medicine. It wasn't until I got out of the military and worked for industry selling devices for a surgical company that I really became fascinated with medicine. Then finally, I went to the University of Michigan for medical school when Ginny was doing fellowship and fell in love with the pediatric heart and knew that's where I wanted to go. So a long training pipeline, but it has certainly been worth it to be, to have done it and to be here. The other thing, Holly, I like to tell people sometimes about is that we have had this journey and I think it's interesting for people to hear that the path, you can still make it along that path because we... Together, we were in 17 years of residency training, so none of it overlapped. I did my six years, three years of general pediatrics and three years of pediatric cardiology, at which point I got a job and then Aaron actually started all of his training. We've been through five matches, none of which were couples matches, so we managed to figure out how to navigate all of those waters along the way. How did you Um, do that? Do you have to (laughs) reach out like, hey, can I... Join the team here. My husband matched here. <laughs> well, some of it is some of it, some of it is that way. Some of it is planning along the way, and honestly, uh, just being patient. I think that's the thing that we've learned along the way is that some of the, sometimes these decisions can't be made really quickly. But um, having to be patient to to wait for the match, but also have uh, plans in place based off of where that match would be, so that we both have good opportunities wherever that is. I think I would say that we also had children along the way too. So we have two teenagers all throughout. And I, we basically understood that we had two vocations in life. One was to have a family and one was to take care of these patients. And we knew that we couldn't do things in parallel. So sometimes we had to do things in series. So at one point in time, 
Ginny's training became more important. At another point in time, my training became more important. And at each step, we knew there would have to be potential compromises. But at each time we made a decision to change jobs or change residencies or go on to fellowship, it was pretty clear that it was going to work out. And we had a lot of people helping us. The, the old phrase, it takes a village, was true. We had a lot of neighbors <laughs> helping us with child care. We had a lot of help to make it happen. I know and, the feeling. And so how long have, have y'all been married? So we have been married for 25 years and uh, been together for how many years is it now, Aaron? So I think we have to add seven to that number, 32. So tomorrow is Valentine's Day, So and you're both on service, right? Do you have special plans, or do you have time for that? <laughs> it was funny. We were talking about this morning. I said, would you like to go to dinner tomorrow night on Valentine's Day? And she said, I don't know. <laughs> so the answer to that is no. Well, I, I always think of Valentine's Day. It is a day to celebrate being together, but I think that um, you have to celebrate every day because not, not every day is all roses and just one day out of the year. It is, it is an important day, but every, every day is an important day and keeping, keeping us afloat and keeping us together and so we can do the things that we want to do. We have had to have compromises and have had to have um, things that are, are different along the way. So I actually worked part time for the first over 10 years of my career, which I think was a great thing for me to do because it gave me time to be home with my kids, but yet still be in medicine and um, support us as a family from that perspective. Um, and our childcare along the way has changed. We had neighbors helping us out. We did daycare. We um, had an au pair live with us for the last five years to help us out. And now our, our kids are teenagers, so they almost run themselves now. So when we're on <laughs> service together, we actually try to be on service together, mostly because that actually gives us more time to be at home together. Um, but, you know, there was a time where we tried not to be on call together uh, because that way one could be at home and the other one could be at the hospital. And where is your au pair from right now? So we currently actually, she was, our last au pair was from Northern Ireland and we've hit that stage where our oldest is driving. So we don't have an au pair anymore, um, which is a whole new, a, a new, new experience for us. But uh, our last one was from Northern Ireland. A new journey. I have a teenager about to start driving as well. So <laughs> it's oh. definitely a new journey. Deep breaths. <laughs> yes. You'll survive. So <laughs> So what do y'all like to do in your spare time before we dive into some of our topics here? I know you were going to state parks like a lot of us, especially during the pandemic. Erin, do you want to answer that one? And I should say during that stage of the pandemic, since we're still in it, different stage. Right. But. Well, I think that one of the things we did is we got a dog before the pandemic. So that was great. We took her on a lot of walks when we were in quarantine. I still had to go to the hospital frequently since I was an in, I'm an inpatient physician. So I went to the hospital almost all the time. Ginny would go when she was on service or had service requirements. So a lot of walks. And that also was great because it gave us a chance to get out and be healthy, be active. And that's led probably to what we've enjoyed the most recently, which is hiking and doing backcountry camping. So we've been to the Rocky Mountains and we're planning to go to the Grand Canyon here and camp below the rim here soon, which will be great. And it can be hard to take time out, time off to do that. But does that help you both to do your jobs even better? 
from my perspective, absolutely, it's great to have a moment to be outside and realize that there are lots of healthy kids out there, lots of healthy families out there, and it's a good chance to just decompress from the stress of things. And I find actually being out and doing backpacking and hiking, it actually really does give you the opportunity to really unwind and unplug because the opportunities for internet access and all of that, which would be tempting for us to be at work, are very limited when you're out in the backcountry. Jenny, you and your team have cardiology clinics in the medical center on Wurzbach and Fredericksburg and in the Stone Oak Baptist Hospital atrium. Um, we wanted to say on here, if, if anyone wants to call and reach those clinics, it's 210-450-7334. And to refer a patient, 210-450-2124 is the fax number. And I will put those numbers in the chat here. How are things going at the clinics? Our clinics are very busy. Um, we've had our Stone Oak Clinic now for two years, and that cl clinic has been growing exponentially. So uh, I think our patients that live in the north part of the city appreciate the Stone Oak Clinic because they don't have to come down to the medical center. And the parking can usually be better <laughs> at that clinic. But our new Gateway Clinic, which is near the medical center, is also a great opportunity because it's a shared clinic, as most of our li your listeners know, that has the other pediatric subspecialists in the same room, uh, same office, I mean, and uh, we've been seeing uh, growth in that clinic as well. And there's an on-site lab, uh, which is really helpful. And you, you and also, go ahead, sorry. And as I say, at both of our clinic locations, we're able to get EKGs and echocardiograms at both of those locations um, during the visit. That's great. And can doctors send for the EKG directly? They can send for the EKG directly. What we ask is that if they could call our office so that we can be prepared for the patient um, to get that EKG. But we do have the option of getting an EKG only. And Jenny, what would you say, what are you seeing a lot of right now, or is it a lot of different stuff? I think right now in clinic, we're seeing um, a lot of different stuff. I wouldn't say that we're seeing more of one thing than another. Um, we're seeing what we usually see is a lot of teenage chest pain and syncope, uh, heart murmurs. And then uh, I am seeing a few patients with some post-COVID type symptoms, but I would say the number is pretty low that we're seeing um, of those patients in our clinic right now. And so that's that's pretty rare still? It is pretty rare in our population. Um, we, there are a few patients that I've seen, mostly teenagers, who can have some symptoms that may or may not be related to, pro, to, to COVID, particularly symptoms related to autonomic dysfunction. So um, inappropriate sinus tachycardia, dizziness, uh, significant fatigue, things that would go along with postural orthostatic tachycardia POT syndrome. Um, but it's hard to determine whether these things are directly related to COVID or not in some of these patients. But I haven't been seeing a, an onslaught of patients with those type of symptoms. Well, let's take a case. A two-week-old presents with a heart murmur. What do you do? 
So I, I I'd like to highlight this case just because we are getting better in the state of Texas with our our CCHD screening, but there are heart defects that actually aren't picked up by the CCHD screening. So those heart defects that don't particularly present with cyanosis in the newborn period. So some of those would include um, BSD, for example, uh, a pink tetralogy of flow. Coarctation, uh, critical coarctation can present also with normal oxygen saturations. So I think it's a good opportunity if you have a baby that comes into your clinic at that two-week visit and still has a murmur or has a murmur to send them over to see us. And we will work really hard to get them into our clinic as soon as we can, as soon as possible. Um, and if you have difficulties with that, um, Holly or Holly can give you uh, some other numbers so that you can get a hold of us. Um, so we can get them in to be soon, sooner rather than later. And that also just also pivots to the fact that in cardiology, pediatric cardiology, we do fetal echocardiograms as well. So we see um, the unborn fetus and prenatally can diagnose significant congenital heart disease. In the state of Texas, the detection rate prenatally for congenital heart disease is probably one of the poorest in the country related to studies that were done are getting to be about five, six years old. But um, this is something that we're also trying to work on with our UT and UH partners so that we can maybe start some telemedicine fetal op telemedicine opportunities for fetal echocardiograms so that hopefully we can improve the detection rate prenatally for congenital heart disease. That's amazing is if you have the technology, what you can do via telemedicine and these you know, patients in outlying towns that don't have a big hospital close by, it would be a game changer, right? It can be a game changer. And we're very, very close to getting a fetal cardiology telemedicine opportunity in South Texas. Um, but it's been, it's been a work in progress for sure. What, any idea, you know, have, do you have any thoughts about what pediatricians, pediatric practitioners should say to patients where the parent is worried about their child, um, worried about when they're exercising, being out of breath, or, you know, a lot of times it's just worry, right? And do you have any a advice? Lot of, a lot of times it is just worry. One of the pieces of advice that I, I tell patients and I also tell pediatricians is that um, chest pain in the pediatric and adolescent population, less than 1% of the time is the chest pain related to the heart. So in that sense, we can be reassured that less than 1% of the time is the reason for the shortness of breath or chest pain related to the heart. That being said, some red flags for sending into our clinic, especially if it would be chest pain with exercise. So if a patient presents and has chest pain with exercise, that would be a reason to send to us. Or if a patient had syncope during exercise without any prodrome, again, those are some of the red flags that I would say, the two big red flags that I would say for um, referral in that population. But we are there to help give reassurance to these families that and oftentimes by coming to the cardiologist, having an EKG done or, and or an echocardiogram can be helpful in reassuring these patients uh, that all is well from a heart perspective. And Erin, I know we were talking a little bit earlier about the outcomes. Do you wanna talk a, a little bit about you know, briefly what you do? Yes, thanks. So my end is obviously very, end user. In other words, when a child comes to me, they are coming because they need some sort of surgical procedure. 
And so here at University Health and UT, we have a very unique program where we have two surgeons. And we also report publicly to the STS database. So I, we are the only program in Central and South Texas that reports our results to the Society of Thoracic Surgeons. And our results are on par, if not better, with the national average. So we're very proud of that fact because it represents a spectrum of cardiac disease anywhere from the very simple to the very complex. And we, we have that because of, in part, because of our cardiology partners from both UT and from Mednex, as well as the military. And we have a great group of nurses and ICU doctors here who function really as one team underneath the congenital heart center here at University Health. So we're very fortunate to be in this position to be able to take care of the kids of San Antonio and the greater surrounding areas in South Texas because of the, all the people that are here and the infrastructure that's here. And is it a requirement to report the outcomes? Do you know so it's you not, actually. And one of the reasons why we felt it was important is so that we could be totally transparent with the general public about how we do. And each individual program has to make their own decisions. The programs that I've been at, we've always reported, but it's definitely not a requirement. But that's wonderful to, to hear that. Um, it's such an honor being here with both of you today. Before we wrap up, I'd love to hear what inspired each of you to go into the field that you're in. I can start. I would, my last rotation of medical school, I did a rotation in pediatric cardiology. And at that period of time, I knew I was matched into pediatrics. And as I went through residency, I um, tried to think about it. Do I really want to do pediatric cardiology? And I just kept coming back to wanting to do pediatric cardiology. And looking back, I have really enjoyed my career as a pediatric cardiologist. Our kids are pretty funny. They, they know that mom and dad are all about the heart. And I bought a new heart model for our clinic and it came to the house and the kids were fascinated with this heart model to the point where they said we had to have one. So we actually have a small heart monitor, heart, heart model on the mantle in our house, just because the kids just know that that's so front and center for what mom and dad do. But it is a privilege to take care of kids that are born with congenital heart disease, but it is also a privilege to see those healthy kids in clinic for heart murmurs, chest pain, syncope, palpitations or anything else that uh, that that their referring pediatrician needs our help with. And it's just an honor to take care of all of these patients. What about you, Erin? It's uh, a really great honor, as Jenny said, to be here. And for me, it was being on the fourth year medical student rotation at the University of Michigan and seeing these children and having the opportunity to see them go from birth to adulthood with heart disease related to either congenital heart or because they've, they've got an infection such as myocarditis and being able to take care of them across their whole life was just really a unique opportunity for me as a surgeon. There's very few surgical fields where you can do that. And that was just an amazing opportunity to see these kids grow up to be great young humans and adults and go on and be successful in life. And to see that difference, that just must be so inspiring. And then on the other end of the spectrum, it must be so hard sometimes what you both do. That is true. There are moments where you realize that you 
there there is life and death and to see some of these families come together one to support each other but then also to support the clinicians the nurses and the doctors that take care of these families and are so invested in them it's really kind of a very unique field in some respects yes and i I've, I've had the privilege of seeing you jenny and the clinic and i'm just inspired by the way you talk to patients and get right down on their level and eye contact and you can tell that you really care i know you both like that's at the heart of all of this this passion to help children right and you said it just right there that is the heart of the heart of all of it right um not pun no pun intended at the heart of everything pediatric cardiologist jenny abarbanel and pediatric ct surgeon aaron abarbanel thank you two both so much for being here today on pediatrics now thank, thank you, you for having us holly we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Pediatrics Now. Click on the link for free credit if you're a practitioner. You can also email us with questions or episode ideas. That address is pediatricsnow at uthscsa.edu. We release a new episode every Friday. Pediatrics Now is produced by Nick Mary. I'm Holly Wayment. I hope you can join us for our next episode. Thanks for listening.